Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Duncan, and this is the Football Scouting Podcast. Uh, today with us, we have Britton Mann. Britton, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Paul? I'm I'm doing great. So uh, we just got done dealing with uh, tech, uh, technical di- uh, d- difficulties, but we are all uh, all set now. Um, as you uh, listeners know, we uh, like to start out by getting to know the person on the other side of the Skype call. So, uh, Britton. Tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you fall? Uh, when did you fall in love with football? Ju- uh, just as a game, you played a lot growing up. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Britton Mann. I'm from uh, from Buffalo, New York. I'm 23. Uh, I work as a defensive line coach for Buff State football, and I also help out at the University of Buffalo as like a recruit evaluator slash offensive analyst assistant kind of thing. Um, and uh, I started playing football actually in seventh grade. And I, I never really played peewee or anything, but I always grew up watching it. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big Bills fan. Have been there through the process, and I'm, 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 I'm happy that we're, uh, we're actually finally good now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I started playing football in seventh grade. I wasn't very good, and just kind of like getting my, my feet wet in, the, in sports. And then once I hit kind of eighth grade, ninth grade, that's when I kind of took off i actually started as a quarterback but that was because we ran a lot of uh, a lot of qb design runs and stuff like that there's no throwing it in eighth grade you know what i mean so and then, then i got moved to uh to tight end because i was i was one of the the uh the bigger kids and which eventually led to wide receiver as i developed into an athlete um yeah so football is just kind of like taken shape as i've gotten older i've uh i've i've, I've liked it more one the more I learn about it, the more I love it kind of thing. People see football as kind of like this, like, tough sport where only, like, big, strong, scary, like, not as intelligent men play it and get and can get physical. But the more I learn about it, the more I see it's, like, the most complex sport in the world. And that's what makes it the most fun, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like that. It's more of, like, a strategy game rather than, like, physically overbearing unless you're, like, an Aaron Donald of some sort. Oh yeah, it's like it's like the perfect combination of like violence and strategy mm-hmm. and also just like teamwork. There is just so many like layers to mm-hmm. football in itself. I feel that like um people kind of um especially like in like the Twitter analytics communities, like they almost like forget that like uh, like especially like when people talk about like the tanking discussion that like people forget like you do not tell these football players to lose or to tank because these people are getting injured and beating mm. themselves up and like are sore for like a day and a half if not more to win mm-hmm. and are leaving so much out on the line and like people like kind of like forget just how much football hurts but then on the other hand if you just kind of believe that football is just a game for meatheads you you can miss so much of like the strategy and the nuance of like um like when watching the browns uh, my favorite team how much the play uh, how the play action and setting up the outside zone sets up uh deep crossing routes over the middle mm-hmm. and how they try to get the linebackers flowing one way so they can attack them when they move that way eventually and go over the top and then just kind of like the whole teamwork aspects of how like the quarterback 
like watching Pat Mahomes. It's like he's running around looking like a chicken with his head cut off, yet he has like some mystical connection with his wide receivers where he just knows where they are and is able to throw dots to them. It's like all three of those elements coming together for like a perfect game. And I just feel that like, especially I've been complaining about baseball a lot because I'm an Indians fan and every time we have a good player, we have to trade him before he (laughs) hits his prime because of like salary issues. And then they always go, um, they always end up going to like the the Dodgers, the Yankees or the Red Sox. And when in the NFL, like the most coveted free agent in the last four years was probably Kirk Cousins. He, and he ends up going to Minnesota. Like you would never see Jimmy, um, you'd never want to uh, see like an NBA basketball free agent go to the Timberwolves or you wouldn't see John Carlos Stanton want to get traded to the Twins. It's like football is unique in that because of like how the systems work and how certain great players would want to be in the system system and be asked to do the things that they do best. And at that time, that was Minnesota. So just there's just so many layers to football and why I love it. And I think you kind of like uh, you kind of like hit on uh, hit on those. So how did your love of football evolve from just like loving football as a player and as like a high schooler to um, loving it as something that you want to do like full time, like you want to scout, you want to coach? When did it kind of like click for you that that was like what you wanted to do? Uh, well, it's like when you get to college, you don't realize how quickly college goes kind of thing. Like you're a freshman and then you blink your eyes and next you're like, you're a junior and you're like, Oh damn, I gotta, I gotta be in the real world next year. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, one, one thing that kind of, kind of, kind of stuck with me is that like throughout the years, I started to realize that like, uh, like the game of football, I look forward to like, just like everyone else, you look forward to it every weekend. It's like, it's something that you're, you're gunning for Saturdays is college, um, Sundays and the other primetime days is NFL kind of thing. Like you, you work your schedule around it. And then I started to realize like to get into more of a scouting, uh, love, I realized that the draft was more of my Super Bowl rather than the Super Bowl. And I don't know if that's like, like, I'm, I'm sure every scout and every person who like actually scouts people is like, I would rather watch the NFL. I'd rather the NFL draft be tomorrow than the Super Bowl kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know if that stems from the Bills not being great for 20 years or whatever, or me not having like playoff hopes in my hometown. But <laughs> as as you might know, with with the Browns, but the uh, the uh, Browns and Bills have uh, have picked it up recently. But I kind of realized I wanted to get into more of the scouting and actual like working of a team when um when I when I knew I was looking forward to April more than February kind of thing. Absolutely. It is. It was definitely kind of a similar feeling for me as a Browns fan. Um, like we start talking about the draft in like November. We're just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, that Brady Quinn guy's look uh, looking pretty good. He He's from Dublin. He would be a good a good pick and um, or whatever Ohio State player is looking like a first rounder. We're all going to get excited and want to uh, want to draft him. So it's like just Cleveland in the draft go like hand in hand and like complain. And what is it? We had that run where like we had like 
constantly had two first round picks and were constantly mm. blowing both of them. I mean, we like in a span of five years, I think what we took uh, Trent Richardson, Brandon Whedon, and then in 2013 we took uh, I think it was Cameron Irving and Danny Shelton. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Johnny Manziel and Justin Gilbert. Like we think figured out a way to have six. Well, so the Danny Shelton was okay, but I mean you don't draft mm-hmm. a nose tackle twelve overall. Yeah. But we found a way to get like six draft busts, six draft misses in three years. <laughs> yeah. Trying to understand like how how that happened and what ways you can use to evaluate players was always really interesting for me. Uh, I was really big into football analytics before football analytics became what it was now. Like I was reading football outsiders. I was studying DVOA. Um, I was reading uh, the hidden game of football by Palmer and Thorne, which kind of like um, explained which set the tone for like success rate and how a nine yard run on a third and 15 is go- is a lot different than a nine yard run on third and nine. Like they would have different values analytically. Mm-hmm. So that kind of level of analytics was always something I was big into. I love baseball analytics. I read Bill James uh, at SIS when um, I was there and we worked technically under bill james i was able to get one of my baseball abstracts signed by him so like that was kind of where my background started but then when analytics kind of turned into the only thing that matters in football is how well the quarterback plays and if you draft a running back in the sixth round you're stupid like once it kind of turned into that i kind of like became um i wanted to try to explore like some of the the other end of it and really understand football and its schemes more so than it was just Hey, I understand how a cover three and works in Madden. I want to understand why a cover uh, why a cover six works. I want to mm-hmm. um, understand how people set up uh, set up their stunts and their blitzes. I want to understand uh, route concepts, and I just want to understand what goes on in the trenches. Because when you're as tiny as me and you never really played in the <laughs> trenches, the, um, the, those areas in between. Um, like that mess in between becomes even more interesting and I want to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I know no, that, that, go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that's a, uh, that, that's definitely something that I learned uh, coaching this past fall was like, it's completely different being on the field and actually teaching athletes how to like, like hand placement for defensive linemen and what their first step should look like, whether like the difference between their stance on first, second and third down and the yardage between it and stuff like that. Like, there's so many little intricacies that when you're just scouting, you don't really necessarily see and like getting a hands-on feel for it really gets like, really lets you see the like minute details in between each player and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And you also, and you also have to deal with, uh, I'm not sure if your high school was like my high school where half the team was just there because their parents like uh, made them be, be there. Um, so like being able to try uh, how you would talk to somebody who actually really loves football and wants to go play D3 or D2 in a couple years is going is going to be different than how you would deal with like a kid who just wishes he was back home playing video games and smoking pot with his boys. Yeah, exactly. There's like and it, it, it's weird the more I learn about it and like I, I've talked to some mentors over the past couple months about like how you project people's um 
like I, w- I was writing re- re- reports for a scout and he was telling me there, there was a section about like character and intangibles and stuff like that. And like, it's better to not comment on that and that kind of stuff. And like, it's really hard to learn if someone's going to, uh, if like someone, if when someone gets into a league, you don't know if they're going to put in that extra work after practice or not. And like, you don't, you won't know until it's there. Cause every, every single player is going to feed you the line. Like, like if you call them on the phone and be like, Oh, I just got done with a workout and they could be, they, they could be drinking beer at night, you know what I mean? Like sitting there and not, not, uh, not putting in that extra work to really be there. So it's hard to kind of see through the, through the lines and the, the uh, con- confusion with players and stuff. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, intangibles is like, uh, it's like another level of scouting um, that we haven't even like, that we can't even really do as like scouts because we don't actually get to talk with the people. We don't actually get to see them. Like the most we can do is stalk them on Instagram. But it's so crucial. So, um, I, well, this is breaking news at the point where we're, when we're recording this, but the Redskins just waived Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Mm -hmm. Haskins is kind of like a a perfect, uh, perfect example of someone who, uh, who we think who intangibles probably made the whole difference within his store within his story. Like he had, he had lots of success at Ohio, uh, at Ohio state. Um, he seemed to be very bit, uh, business oriented and business, uh, business minded. Um, but his head wasn't in the right place. I mean, if you're going out and like celebrating with strippers with your mask off after did the team, did, did he even do anything? Did the team even like win after that game? I, I don't remember that. Was that the week they beat Pittsburgh or no? I, th- uh, I think that was the week after. The week after but, okay. Yeah, that just kind of shows that he um uh he enjoys being the perks of being a football player, mm. but doesn't really but may not truly love football if he's going to be making like the having the decision making that he has and the interceptions and the fumbles. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of shows to me that he loves being a football player. He loves having the a million followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He uh, loves being able to s- scroll through and know every single hot woman in his area. But he does. <laughs> but he doesn't like. Um, he doesn't want to be able to know how defenses are disguising their coverages against him. Yeah, exactly. Like there's 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 one line that um that I was always told, and it's like you don't know what someone's gonna do when 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 you, when you put a million dollars in their hand. Like imagine you're just like this like twenty year old kid, and you you just get handed a check for ten ten million bucks on a signing bonus, and you're a top ten pick or whatever. You know exactly. And can never tell. And and, it, and it's. Yeah, it's just it's incredible, and like sometimes you kind of have the people who br- who break late. I feel Antonio Brown is like the perfect example of somebody who breaks late, like before any of the um before any of the Antonio Brown make dropping rap songs, trying potentially potentially signing a fight with um one of the Paul brothers. He was known as being literally the hardest working guy on the Steelers. Mm-hmm. He like won like awards for like leadership and teammates. He was literally the ultimate team player because he had a chip on his shoulder. He was a kid from Florida, went to Central Michigan, sixth round pick, 
and he worked his ass off to get to where he uh where where uh where he was but then once he finally got to where he was he grew an ego on it and then went like and then when he gets the super big money that's when things that's when things start to change change for him we're seeing a little bit of it with michael thomas hopefully he can kind of not punch teammates and get back uh get back on the right track reel it in a little bit i I got you so yeah it's 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 real it's really hard because people just in general are hard i i really i would like to think that if i were to win the lottery and get 10 million dollars that i would i would be smart with it and that i would put um, money into investments and future stuff for my for my college kids and definitely some nfl players do but i know they're uh different members of my family who I haven't heard from in years are going to want to get in touch with me. And mm-hmm. I'm there. Are, I'm not living in like the best of circumstances for, uh, right now. I mean, I'm still working at Taco Bell. All of the old Taco Bell people would want to get a, get a hold of me. Every person like it would be, it would be very diff, uh, difficult. And there are different reasons people fall. Like some people are just too nice and it, it uh it ends up draining draining them. I heard stories about how uh one of the reasons Trent Richardson busted was because he was too nice and he did way too much to help his brother. His brother ended up getting like an entourage and causing a whole bunch of problems for the family at home with the, with uh the, with the money that he was getting from Trent and he was never in the right right mindset to play football because his family life went to crap with because his family members got bad with all the money mm-hmm. and that's just an aspect of scouting that no that is the most difficult to talk about because it's all rumors it's all oh this this scout said that Zach Wilson's a party boy and this scout said oh, nobody yeah. showed up for his uh, for his um for his birthday and we ourselves are going to have difficult he's verifying that like teams literally will use fbi agents and like government intelligence professionals to to find out about more about these players and people are complicated and football players are going to be complicated Mm -hmm. it's like and like scouting all these players they all come from a variety of backgrounds like there's not there's not one clear-cut mold to just judge someone you know what i mean like you can do all the psychological tests you want but like you never really know the experiences they're they're coming through and if they can't relate to a team sometimes they can't like fit in immediately you know what i mean and like even with culture changes you put someone with good culture into a team with bad culture you don't know if they're which way it's going to flip you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just just like person personalities and things. Like apparently, one of the reasons Justin Gilbert busted was he just didn't have any friends on the Browns. He didn't make friends. He just went into the office, didn't talk with anybody, sat alone at the lunch table, didn't care to really get involved with the team culture, and then eventually just started smoking pot with Josh Gordon. And it was just like mm-hmm. it, it, it's yeah. Football play. You got uh, linemen who who grew up on a grew up on a farm. You've got people who were uh, couch uh, couch surfing when they were uh, 17, hustling to get a college scholarship in ur- urban areas. You've got somebody players like Johnny Manziel, whose family were like rich before they were even started, and quarterbacks who whose family whose family come from huge amounts of money to pay their trainers and it's like mm-hmm. it's like literally the most 
a largely diverse group of people, but they all need to come together to like uh, uh, deal with each other, have like that innate connection of being able to like connect on a football player and understand each other on a football field. And yeah, like that's, that is like a huge, a huge aspect of football scouting that you can't even get on film or through statistics. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's one of the, it's one of the hard, the hard sections of grade. Have you learned any more about like that aspect of things just uh, just from coaching that you uh, that you can sh- uh, share to add? I feel like you have extra insight on like how like locker rooms work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so coaching was it, it, it's weird because like it was my first time actually like being a part of a football team since high school. So I it's like I knew some of the kids that were wildly talented. Like it, it was a D three school I was coaching, so I shouldn't say like wildly talented, but it was like some of the kids that were more talented than others, but there was this one kid that had like good feet and size, but had really good work ethic. And then there was this other kid that had like much more strength in the weight room and explosiveness and Twitch, but he, he was lazy and like came in out of shape. And like, even through two and a half months, you could tell he wasn't changing his diet. Like you, you being there in person every day, you can see the change from day one to uh, day to like, day 20 or whatever like three weeks later i think having more of a coaching field to how players react when things don't go their way and having to understand how to communicate with each person is different as well so it's like having that coaching background kind of helps you understand that people come from different backgrounds and are extroverted and introverted and learn through hearing or seeing or doing themselves it's like once you actually get into the situation yourself you can see how players develop like way way different than others you know yeah it's yeah that must that must be like an amazing amazing thing to feel i had like another friend uh from college who is now like a middle school football coach and he says like he's a teacher and a middle coach and he's like being a coach is like one of the most rewarding rewarding things possible because you just get to see kids grow and learn and like get better and understand things and like watching something click for a kid for a kid and seeing like positive results is just like it's like really really rewarding yeah it's like with uh with 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 without a season this year we focused a lot uh we kind of got away from scheme and we got more of like developing athletes this fall because uh we have like a whole year to get through it so we might as well work on like their hips their feet their eyes and stuff and uh we were just doing some basic like movement drills where you learn how to shift your weight from left to right and explode down a gap like on a defensive lineman when you shed and you got to work down the line of scrimmage to meet the running back uh there there's some drills that we were doing and some of the kids couldn't get their coordination right and i would like i'd pull them aside and really like work on their feet and like show them how to exaggerate on their on their plant foot so they can explode and use their hip to get off instead of leaning forward and stuff. And like to be able to see the wheels turn on like these 18, 19 year old kids and like, like, Oh damn, my hips are what move everything. Not my, not my upper body or anything like that. Like hips are the main driving power force. And like, like even me, I could tell me coming out of high school and going into college for track and field, there were things that I concepts that I didn't know. And I was lucky I had like an all American coach to teach me and stuff. So it's like watching kids, watching kids connect and then relating that to how I connected things kind of like, it really helps you understand that people learn at their own like ways and processes kind of thing. And like, not everyone's going to get it the first time. You kind of got to have patience on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially like in the technicalities of like the offensive line play and like footwork, you're, it's almost like you want to be like a dance instructor about like, mm-hmm. like, it's just so like precise and they need to have like such good body control to understand like what they're doing with their legs and to, and once they get it and then they have to, oh, it's like learning the dance and then like getting it to the mus- muscle memories muscle memories and being able to keep that muscle memory after getting um after getting hit after getting pushed around time after time after time after that they still have that muscle memory in the fourth quarter when the other team's running no huddle and this is their 80th play on the field so yeah, like it, that's kind of like how, how you would like develop that kind of that kind of trait is that a good example <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely definitely so yeah, that's uh that's that's uh, re- really interesting. Uh, I also know you've been doing stuff. Uh, so you're coaching at Buff uh, Buffalo State, but you're also helping out with the University of uh, Buffalo with um the the Bulls, the second place uh, guys second place in the MAC. Uh, what is it? Coach Leopold has done an amazing, amazing job working uh taking Buffalo from kind of a middle of the pack lower tier MAC school to uh one of the best, most consistent schools in the Mid-American Conference. Um, what is it like working and recruiting for him? And, like, how much do you know about, like, the system that they run in Buffalo? And, like, how would you recruit players for his, uh, his system? Are, have you been briefed on that? Yeah, yeah. They, um, so it's, it's been a great opportunity that I'm really thankful for. And I've, I've, uh, I've learned a lot about, like, the actual operation standpoint rather than, like, the – football side if that makes sense like there's what 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 you see like during games there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes as far as like scouting opponents ahead of time recruiting and everything like that uh it it's definitely been an eye opener to see what at work actually goes in and it's like a 24 hour 7 day a week kind of kind of preparation for an entire season and um it, it it's been really fun to learn how to kind of scout high school kids and what they kind of look for in each scheme. Cause as you probably know, Buffalo's a really run heavy team. So like, it's like a recruit that works for Buffalo might not work for Miami, Ohio or like Akron or something like that because of the, because of the scheme changes. So it's been, it's been really, really, really fun to learn what kind of like, what kind of linemen they're looking for, what kind of running back, uh, what, what, like what type of quarterback, how they want their corners to play and stuff like that. And like, certain traits might factor more into their grading scales than actually other teams. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's all, that's always been, um, really interesting and just like knowing like how much that goes on in, in football. And it's also kind of like uh, difficult because like, you're not Alabama. You can't really. You're not going to get the best people in Ohio or Pennsylvania or New York. Like those players are going to go to Penn State, to Pitt, to Ohio State, maybe maybe even to Rutgers before they would consider uh, before they would consider Buffalo. How um have you had any moment when you were like uh, asked to like watch a player and your first thought is he's going to the big 10 like why am i watching him 
Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's actually really, really funny. Uh, they're, they're, I forget what, what the kid's name is, but there's some like freshman safety from Philadelphia, like some in some uh, some school in the in the city of Philly, and he um like this dude's a beast. Like he, I think he's like five eleven, like one ninety, as like a sophomore or freshman. And uh, I was scouting him, and like our our term for like someone who's like who's going to be like like a power five player is like a horse. Like like mm-hmm. a horse grade, and um, um, I, I was watching them, and like you get to the end, and in the player profile that I write up, you're supposed to write the um the amount of offers that he has, and I saw this kid had like 38 offers, and I'm like, oh boy, like <laughs> I was like I was like, man, I wish we could get him, but damn, like like you you can uh you you can look on his Z crew or like his um his max preps and it says like Alabama Auburn offered him and stuff like that and I'm just like like here's my report but I don't know I don't know how how well uh how well the how how, how much uh how much Buffalo can offer this kid compared to the other offers he's gotten you know what I mean Yep come here if you want to rush for 400 <laughs> yards in a game we yeah. got we got that for you We'll, exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll let you uh, we'll let you run over future accountants for for <laughs> for some years yeah exactly yeah i mean buffalo buffalo is a great academic school so if you're going for like like science or something like that or math or like engineering or something and you and you're a good player i mean it's a good choice but if you're looking if you're looking for other things you know there's definitely definitely a lot of places out there yeah, and that's uh, I'm not sure how much uh, if you're just like watching the film or if you're actually interacting with them because like that's a whole another level. Is one we've recognized a talent that we would fit in our system that is not getting offered by Ohio uh, that is not getting offered by Ohio State, mm-hmm. and then the second step would be hoping that your the attitude and the specialties of the school on the academic side and like the mm-hmm. geography side matches up with matches uh up with his needs and then there's like a whole bunch of other groups of people um and uh, attractive women who will be there to try to convince him to come over to uh to the school mm-hmm. yeah, so that's yeah. a that's a whole nother process that we have that i'm guessing that have you even touched that process yet uh i mean i would have if it wasn't covid it's really hard like they i um like probably would have been picking up players and like showing them the campus and stuff like that. But they actually weren't able to have recruits in for a while because of, uh, because of the COVID guidelines in New York state and stuff. So it was really hard to kind of, kind of get in there and like work them through the recruiting pipeline is, is, is what we call it. Yeah. That stinks. I swear if I were to ever see COVID, I'd knock it out. Like just, <laughs> just straight Jake Paul and Nate Robertson. Just uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, COVID, COVID has definitely, definitely ruined a lot of opportunities for people. But you know, I, I, I always try, try to be positive in things and think like, uh, it, it wasn't meant to be, and it, it'll, what's, what's, what's meant for people is, is, is what will come in 2021. You know what I mean? Exactly. And there are going to be some people who are going to be kind of discouraged, maybe not work, not working as hard, or having trouble bouncing back and dealing with, um dealing with the uh all the challenges with covid and like for example what we're doing what we're doing with xtb is we're like there's been so there's so much up in the air uh i think searle just did a report on zion johnson who accepted a senior invite a bowl invite but is now coming back to school and it's like we like there's going to be so much stuff that's going to be tough for 
every draft analyst. That's going to be tough for anybody trying to get a draft guide off of the uh, ground. But we have that opportunity that that's going to be challenging for everybody. And But if we can get through it, it'll only make our work even more valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's a there's 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 a lot of people I've been waiting to write reports on, and I'm not sure if they're going to declare. So it's 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 definitely tough. Yeah. So uh, what uh, what have you seen? Uh, so you've been in the office with uh, Buffalo for a while. What have you seen from J- uh, Jarrett Patterson? Do you think he one? Do you think he's going to declare? Two. What it was it like uh, just kind of watching him have like that incredible run that he had throughout the short short uh max season mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh i don't have any insider information on it but just from like uh from, from from what i could tell him not playing in the bowl game last week against marshall uh, i think that kind of tips his hand that he'll he'll be declaring this year and uh i mean he had really good production this year even if you look at his sophomore season last year he was pretty good but this year he took it up a whole nother level even just from like a physicality standpoint and a, and a burst and his cuts and his, his vision really like, I think he's kind of, he's matured into his body more. And I think he's matured into the scheme a lot. And he also has a really good offensive line, which is probably the best in the Mac. So that definitely helps with, uh, with his production and, and, and his play style. Mm-hmm. Now when looking at, when looking at his uh, game law, the first thing I notice is he's got, Two in a two game stretch, he has 700 yards and 12 touchdowns, but uh, the rest of the games are just kind of like normal running back games. Like you can even say against Miami, kind of struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like what happened in those particular games that he just dominated? Why was he not like say dominating each and every single game? Do you think? Mm, I I think one of the biggest reasons that I saw um was probably because he had those giant games that teams were stacking the box more. Like, you could see, um, I, f- I think it was Miami, Ohio they played. I think they were rolling in the box with at least, like, seven people every play because UB comes out in a lot of, like, 12 personnel with two tight ends. They uh, they, they kind of stretch the field. So they were... Um, they were they were definitely seeing way more penetration and run blitzes kind 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 of thing, which I think limited him a little bit. Okay, yeah, and what is it against Miami of Ohio? Van Trees had like almost three like three hundred and fifty passing yards. So I think you're uh, making a good ar- good argument or case that Jarrett Patterson was a even though he only ever averaged like three point seven yards per carry that game still had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, it was definitely, it was either mo- most of the defenses that I saw in their games, they were definitely like shut down marks and shut down Patterson. And if they're going to beat us, they're going to beat us over the top with play action kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. which would, which would tend to work against like lesser, uh, a mid American conference team. Cause you don't really know if they're going to have the quarterback who can consistently mm-hmm. hit 40 yard passes down, uh, down the field. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I'm noticing when looking at Patterson's stats is he's not being used in the passing game at all. He doesn't have a single catch. Do, how uh, do you think he does? He have those skills in practice, and the team's just not utilizing it, utilizing them. Uh, do you know anything about the guy's catching ability or third down ability? 
Uh, yeah, either um, or when the most I, I I can think of is when I was looking at his 2019 tape over the summer. He was uh he was he was a good enough catcher. I wouldn't say he had crazy receiving threat, if that makes sense. And his pass blocking, his his technique could uh could could use some work. But overall, I I think he's he's a pretty average uh re- receiving threat, which I think kind of limits him in his draft stock. Yeah, because it's all it's always kind of tough when because teams aren't going to um use their players in the way that they were going to be best used in the NFL. They're mm-hmm. going to use them in their the best way to win. And if their system asks their running backs to pass protect and not go out for catches, then there's a huge aspect of the NFL and a huge value added, uh, a huge trait that can be a huge value added for somebody is completely lost. I had to deal with that with uh, Jaquan Hardy from Tiffin where he just was not even really asked to go out for passes. He normally was just used kind of on run fakes and um, in the passing game or used in pass pro and even like when like even when I saw him in the past game, it wasn't like really anything to to be excited about. And it's like I'd I'd have no idea what he would be like if you were to put him in the NFL and give him sixty targets. Mm-hmm. I felt that he has like the NFL ready like size and speed and uh, like somebody like Jarrett Patterson with him being like five nine, one ninety five and having that burst and that big playability, you would think that that would translate, but you just don't know yeah exactly it's 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 all about it's all about scheme and like right place right time kind of thing you know like things things that work for a player in college and then you throw them in a completely different system they might do even better they or they might just burn you know what i mean like like bust out exactly so that's why it's so important to understand the scheme of the player when evaluating them because one you can kind of play matchmaker or prospect a t- uh, prospect a team, and uh, two, you can um you can uh, uh with the knowledge that teams are generally going to draft players with their scheme, you can kind of focus on that whole hey this player does this really well but doesn't do this very well. You would probably assume that whatever team is going to pick him is going to ask him to do what he does well because mm-hmm. I mean. NFL teams at least should be pretty smart about that kind of stuff. Sometimes not. Some 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 are better than others, but yeah. Um, what about uh, what about the uh, other good um Buffalo player um Malcolm Kunza? Do you, um how would how do you feel about him and his opportunity to be a good um a good pro? I th- I I th- I think it's pretty good. He he definitely fits into more to more of the edge role, and I think he has a. Uh, I, I think he's a good enough athlete to be able to cover in the NFL as well, uh, mainly just like running backs out of the backfield. But he's uh, he's definitely someone who would fit more into like that outside linebacker three four role. He's um, his his first step's pretty good. He's not crazy flexible, but he's uh, he's he's definitely got some 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 plus uh, pass rush and, and coverage ability traits. Absolutely. So kind of like a, a, a late round guy that you think can stick that can uh, stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, be like a, um, a a special teamer kind of guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack's brother isn't on the team anymore, right? No, he graduated last year. He's on the Bears practice squad, I think, right now. He uh, he 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 got the connects. So. <laughs> hey, hey, that uh that that works. I mean. Yeah. I mean, he's probably a very talented player. They have really, really good, really good bloodlines, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was still on the team. And then the last player I want to get uh, get into, this is somebody that um, is not really a draft prospect, but somebody who might be in the future. Um, is Trevor Bozinski going to be uh, next up for QB for the Buffalo Bulls? Do you think he has like a, a real good shot at being one of the top QBs in the MAC or maybe a QB prospect down the line? I asked because my brother went to high school with him. And he's six oh, foot five, two thirty-five, and that's that size just right there is getting me excited. <laughs> yeah, it just screams first round pick, right? No, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's he's definitely someone who who has the physical traits and the makeup, but it, it's just kind of one of those things that you won't know until you get there, kind of thing, you know. So he's 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 definitely gonna 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 have some uh, some 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 battles for the uh, for the spot, you know. Yeah. Absolutely, but I like I said, just just looking at that, looking at that size, and knowing that he was one of the top recruits in uh, in Ohio. I don't think he got the Ohio State offer, but he went he went uh, MAC instead of Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Just like makes me think that he can be maybe another Tyree Jackson type player, or maybe another um Mac good Mac quarterback. I know we've got Dustin Crum. Uh, I think he's staying this year, but Dustin Crum's the quarterback who's going to be uh, pretty solid. And, uh, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger from a uh, while back was a Matt quarterback. And yeah. I, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a Bowling Green guy. <laughs> so I'm always, I'm always cheering for my, for my uh, Mac neighbors to have success in the pros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's always nice to see, uh, to, to, to see people come out of the uh, smaller schools, you know? Mm-hmm get get drafted and get and get their shots mm-hmm. so uh, what other um players have you um scouted and watched um that you would that you would like to uh to uh, tell our lovely listeners about uh yeah one one guy that i watched recently uh thayer munford out of ohio state i think i'm a little higher on than most people are uh, watching his, I watched his 2019 tape back in April and May, and I really, I really wasn't impressed by him a crazy amount. He was just kind of like another run of the mill tackle kind of thing. And um, Zach actually told me that he had some previous injuries in 2019 that kind of limited his uh, his playing ability. And then, and then I turned on the tape in 2020, and I, I saw like a brand new player. Like this guy, this guy's feet are way quicker than 2019. His hand placement and his hand fighting repertoire. To combat, uh, to combat edge rushers is definitely way better. He he looked he looked much stronger uh, kind of thing. It like it looked like he kind of was healthy and developed a little more this off season. So you can definitely see a guy that's that's trending up trending up a little bit uh, from from my perspective. Exactly, and like most of the services right now have him as a third or fourth round player, but like when you know, with a quick look at the PF uh, with his PFF grades, go show that he's taken a big step forward. And I watched his game against uh, Penn State, where he handled Jason Owe, one of the like a Bruce Feldman freak, um, somebody who if he were to come out this year, he could be a first rounder and might, if he stays, he might be a top five pick next year mm-hmm. and held him in check for the most part. There were only a handful of reps where I felt that Owe got the best of him. And uh, I think he's going to be a guy that as more and more people on draft Twitter and more and more people in the um in the NFL media are going to see and they'll be like, Oh, wait a second. This isn't just some mid round guy. This mm-hmm. is, this is a guy who's in the second, third tier of, of tackles and might Austin Jackson himself into the first round. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think the senior role will be huge for him because it'll, it'll, it'll be like a real opportunity 
for people to see firsthand and to really get that media attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the cool things about like actual actually scout, uh, scouting people is like most of the boards you see are like just are based off of like the boards that that they get from uh, teams. And there's like cer- uh, certain scouts who kind of have like mega boards that they like sell to all these other websites. Mm-hmm. So that's why like most of the boards you see are, don't really have too much difference in them. And most of them are just kind of like slotted randomly, like after you get to like the th- uh, 30th spot. So, and they don't have time to watch every single prospect and move every single prospect up. And it would be very, like, understandable that somebody who didn't do all that well in 2019 to kind of be kind of, like, stuck there. But once you see the film and once you, like, get him in, you can kind of catch players rising before they actually rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm like torn because I'm a big Bills fan. So like catch, catching the, these people that are like falling and then they'll, they'll find, finally get the, uh, the immediate attention. I'm like, like some, some of these players, you hope they fall. So teams get good value, but like you, you always want, want to, want to see a player get, uh, get, 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 get picked higher than, than they were projected before, you know? Yep. Uh, get that money. Like that's, yeah. That's one of the that's one of the cool cool parts about this is like like the, some of these athletes' lives are just going to be are going to change completely with the money. Hopefully, hopefully for the better. Hopefully, hopefully for uh for uh, for the better uh off of this. So uh, let's uh, go and talk about another off uh, offensive lineman. I know you watched uh, Chris, Christian Darisol. What were your general thoughts on him? Uh, I thought he was a. I thought he he was he was a decent athlete who he, he uses his length very well. He has very uh very long arms and once once he gets a hold of you, you're just kind of no going anywhere kind kind of kind of thing when you're uh, when when you're rushing the edge. Uh the the one one of the uh things that I thought um he could do better on is his aggressiveness when run blocking and I felt in in their scheme he was good when he was zone blocking and like taking that gather step on outside zones, either backside of the play or or, uh, or front side. But like when inline blocking, he kind of has a hard time getting lower to get underneath pads to really drive people back. And I think with his hand in the dirt, whether that attack or guard, I think that he would definitely get some more drive off the ball when if he starts lower in advance, and he could use that raw power to kind of to kind of take over the run game. Yeah, well, um, in my quick little uh, watch of him that I did uh, did before the episode, the thing that like jumped out at me the most was his lateral quickness, especially in the run game. Like I was watching him as a tackle successfully get like a reach block at somebody in like over the guard, like as like a two like a two technique, mm-hmm. and successfully turn him around for for the reach block. And I'm like, to have like that lateral quickness in the run game to do that, like that is like one of the hardest blocks to pull off. And mm-hmm. he just kind of like juked like a running back to get to that position. Did you did you see that ladder the lateral quickness in the run game that I was seeing? Yeah, definitely. His um, his 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 first step left and right. He's he's just so big and has such a big frame that he can he can gather that back foot and really get his hands underneath to uh to uh to successfully get 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 reach blocks. He he's definitely a good uh, I think he would definitely excel in zones that would like get him going in open space and really be able to use his um his his lateral quickness. All right. Would you uh, take would you take Munford over Darisol right now with where you are in the film process? 
I think um, I think Mumford's a little bit better of an athlete, but I think Derisaw is a little stronger. But I would take a better athlete over a stronger player because you can kind of develop that. And as they get older, they get stronger a little bit. They they, they get their grown man strength. So I, I would say probably. Okay, wow. Yeah. yeah, I know there are some people in the community who love Darisol. I've been seeing some mocks with him as a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like... Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you like see see some things, and there's uh, uh, and there's some doubts, and you know as the season goes on, and we uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. He does, he I'd love to see him at the Senior Bowl to see yeah. uh, to see that um strength see that strength and quickness firsthand and compare him to the Munfords. But yeah, there's just so so much that that we need to like know about these guys and we're like watching film and and it's exciting there's a whole bunch of nothing nothing there uh any uh any other players that one you'd like to hear uh me me talk about or guys that uh i did like uh, maybe i've been doing some cross checking on fields or zach wilson do you have any questions about any of the guys i've watched or do you have any other guys that you want to talk about yeah, um, I'd, I I I would love to um to hear your thoughts on on Fields actually because watch, watching uh, Thayer, I, I I actually got to see some of his games, but like I really wasn't paying crazy attention. But like some some of the things I, I was impressed by was was um was was his arm strength to to be able to put the velocity on like ten yard outs from the opposite hash in college. I I saw a couple of those. I was like I was like damn maybe maybe we got something here, but I really didn't look into. Uh, and like fully scout his quarterback ability. Yeah, so um, I've I've been I uh, cross checked. Um, well, in, in being in Cleveland, I've been watching a lot of his stuff like on broadcast and as a fan. Mm-hmm. But uh, I watched the game against uh, Penn State uh, as a scout. One of the just things I noticed about Fields is like I always felt like I wanted to be lower on him than most people because like when you watch the game, he kind of like lulls you to sleep. It's just he throw he put so much touch on his passes and so many of them are just wide open, short, intermediate passes that you're like, oh, the, he's he might just be a system guy. He might just be Dwayne Haskins with wheels. But then he'll just throw a 40 yard 40 yard go route on a dot. And then he'll just crank up his velocity and hit that hit that out route um, mm. with velocity. So it's like you can kind of get lulled to sleep by his arm strength a little bit, but then he'll just like turn it on, and then it'll you'll like you'll forget you'll like write down that he's got like average arm strength, and then you'll see this one pass, and it's just like zoom. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like even just just like seeing a couple of those games as a fan, you've seen. I, I'm like I, I'm I'm like impressed by some of his throws, and then I see him throw like. What was it against Northwestern? He had like two picks in the first quarter, and one was a pick six or something like that. It was, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, like what's going on in his head? But then I see him make these great plays, and I like really can't make my mind up about him without like actually digging deeper into it. Mm-hmm. And then like the other thing against at least against Penn State and like the games that I've watched, it's like I haven't really seen him like fully unleash his running ability. But then mm-hmm. I'll watch like the highlights and. I like watch a highlight film and he's just outrunning some lesser opponent and just zoom, zooming around. We've been having that talk with um with both um Matt uh, Matt Mercier who was our last podcast guest who uh, talked about Fields and with Searle about trying to decide whether his athleticism is an eight, so an eight being like a top top five at the position or just like if he's going to be like in like the top half. So like trying to see if he's like in that Kyler Murray range, like where his speed's going to just take 
just be a huge weapon or if it's just going to be like a great weapon. Yeah. And it's like you don't see it, but then when you do see it, it's just like, whoa. And so mm-hmm. it's like he can kind of bore you a little bit, but I also think his uh, technical ability, like uh, his pocket awareness, his footwork, his mechanics, his his play under pressure is better than, say, Zach Wilson's. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching Zach Wilson. He, Zach Wilson is one of the guys I've been doing. And while Zach Wilson's deep accuracy is unbelievable it is insane like it is nearly like russell wilson-esque in college type gorgeous just he will hit multiple 30 yard go routes from the opposite hash in a game in a bucket uh, i think i saw um, i tweeted out and it, it, got, it went a little viral after um it got retweeted by a fantasy football analyst and then it got a hold of uh Mormon Twitter got a hold of it and started retweeting it, where I said, um, uh, Zach Wilson completes 30-yard go routes from the opposite hash at um, uh, at a better rate than most college QBs complete slants. Jeez. <laughs> and then what I actually did was I actually went and I looked, I uh, went and looked back that his adjusted complete, his adjusted completion percentage on ball thrown more than 20 yards or more this season was better than Jordan Love's, um, Jordan Love's uh, accuracy percentage on balls from one to 20 yards. Jeez. So he just has a absolute gift, an absolute weapon of being able to throw these deep passes, these posts, these goes with non-NFL quality receivers. I mean, I don't think Milne and Romney are going to, to super high in any drafts anytime soon yeah. to complete this. But my issue is, and my big concern is, is I'm not really sure how well he does under pressure. People will talk about like his athleticism and his playmaking because he'll make like these splashy plays in the pocket, but they aren't going to mention the times when he's Johnny Manzelling around and gets sacked for 15 yards, which are which I've seen happen a couple times in film. His offensive line is incredible in front of him, and the team runs a lot of like max protect like kind of plays, like only three guys ru- running routes and everybody else protecting. So he's just sitting back there and has all day to throw. He's just not pressured very often, and that's something that I'm a little kind of concerned about. His decision-making isn't as sharp as what Fields is. I mean, we know Fields, like, rare, like through, like, two interceptions, like, last year or something ridiculous like that. And there was a point where he had more touchdown passes than incompletions of, uh, for, like, the first three games of the season. Yeah. Um, so Fields, I feel, is a better decision-maker. But... Uh, Fields is uh, Wilson is definitely more flashy, and I feel as as more draft analysts uh, get a hold of his tape, you're going that the Zach Wilson hype train is going to really really crank up. But I feel that there are some kind of smaller little detail things that he needs to work on, which is why I wouldn't fully put him ahead of Fields just yet. I mean, if Fields just sucks in the playoff game, then yeah, we're going to have some questions because in the three biggest games he had, he uh, underperformed. But I don't really think that's going to happen. I think he's kind of going to show what he has, why he his short throw accuracy, his deep throw accuracy, his arm, his athleticism. They're all at NFL starter ready. He should be able to start uh, start right away. 
Zach Wilson still kind of feels to me more like he's going to sit behind Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett for the first four uh, four to eight weeks, but then he's going to explode onto the scene mm-hmm. type of quarterback. Does that all that all make sense? Any other questions? <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's pretty good. It'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how the uh, the quarterback situation a- after Trevor Lawrence shapes out. It's always a uh, it's always one month it's one guy and then two weeks later it's that guy and then no one has any idea but really the teams never changed their mind from the beginning of the process so you really <laughs> it's it's really just one big hype train to get views and clicks you know what I mean exactly and wasn't it a, a couple months ago some people were suggesting Fields over Lawrence and now people are <laughs> suggesting Wilson over Fields and I mean. Yeah, I know as things change, um, as time goes on, things change, but I don't think things change that much. I, I think Fields is going to be the type of quarterback that is going to start day one and will have a chance to absolutely change the fa- face of a franchise. Uh, I'm excited. Of, I'm, I'm hoping that he is because I have the second pick in my um, dynasty draft in Trevor uh, Superflex. So I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is going number one and Fields yeah. is going to go number two. I was a little sad that the Jets... Um, uh, have that two pick because I would have been uh, much more comfortable with Fields as a um, Jaguar throwing the LaVisca and Shark mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what the heck he's gonna, going to have with the Jets unless they like go and sign Allen Robinson or Juju or something yeah. so we're going to have Mims and Crowder that's all I can think of that'll stay next year probably and, <laughs> and Jeff Smith the yeah. legendary Jeff Smith right absolutely all right. Do you have uh, any other players you want to talk about or any cl- uh, closing thoughts, social medias th- that, or projects you want to plug? Uh, nothing, nothing really, really, really crazy. Uh, just thank, thank you for, for having me on. It was, it was great to talk some ball and to talk about some players. Yeah, it was, it was great. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It was great. Uh, great having you on. I think we uh, only have, uh, a couple more of the scouts that we need to uh, talk, t- uh, talk with for the podcast. Are you going to the senior bowl? I should be. I haven't gotten my ticket or anything yet. I, I have to connect uh, with Zach to learn more about that, but yeah, I uh, should be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can actually kind of start like um, uh, meeting each other in real life when we, when we have like almost like a completely online project, it's like, it's kind of like having inter- uh, internet friends and it's like, exactly. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be great to actually like meet people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it was a uh, great, uh, great, ta- great talking with you. Great getting in, uh, great getting to know you. Um, Uh, Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening, and we'll hopefully be uh, back again uh, uh, next week with a show with another one of our XTB scouts or maybe a special guest. Thank you all for listening. I'm Paul Duncan. That was Britton Mann. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, guys.